Hi, friends. Thank you for joining us again on Food for Thought. My name is Sunil Chandy. I'm the rector and priest here at Christ Episcopal Church, and I'm in the sanctuary today, and we're going to have our conversation with, uh, uh, with Sharon Yonkin today. And, and particularly, we're, we're going to be talking a little bit about, um, you know, this is the season of Pentecost, and we, we had this really wonderful service in which we were had uh, people from uh, people speaking uh, or reading lessons from other languages, and uh, Pentecost was all about the celebration of of different cultures and how God comes in the midst of of different cultures to unify us and in faith, and also as we look forward to building the kingdom of God. And so Sharon is going to talk to us about what we could learn about in terms of. Uh, you know how to deal with anxiety and the issues of life through uh, through the through different cultural lenses, and so um, I'm just looking forward to speaking with her. Hey, Sharon, how are you? Hello, Neil. I'm doing very well. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. So, I, I enjoyed. I just enjoyed yesterday. You were you read you read the uh, the lesson from uh, Genesis in um, in French, and it was just so beautiful. Mm, thank you. Thank you. That was such a special moment for me. Um, I guess I've always had a lot of awareness of other cultures. And I mean, I have cousins who live in France and my grandfather uh, came over from Czechoslovakia. And so there was always been this appreciation and he was a salesman who traveled all over the world. Um, so he'd come, you know, he, I grew up with my mother you know, there were, there were just things in, in my surroundings that were like objects and, and whatnot from all over the world. Um, and so I've always had a real love for other cultures. Yeah, yeah. And so, so something like yesterday was very special for me. And, and I also, I know that you also practiced uh, reading it with your mom. I, your mom is a, uh, speaks French I, fluently as yes, well. Yes, I did practice with my mom. I spent some time over there when I was in college and then, um, and then, but my mother was over there and, and her French, she speaks French beautifully. And so that was a special moment too, to be able to share that with her and acknowledge, um, acknowledge just to feel grateful for having, uh, having that influence. And, and with my grandmother was a real Francophile. And um, so things that maybe I've taken for granted, but now I kind of, as we were all are reflecting on life and trying to feel gratitude and and you know, think about just uh, the world right now in general. And um, there's Betsy. Namaste, Betsy. Namaste. <laughs> the other exciting thing that happened to me that I'll just mention briefly before we talk more too about other cultures and mental health is I had someone approach me yesterday at coffee hour, one of the parishioners having a request for food for thought. Okay. So that was exciting. I was happy to hear that feedback. Yeah. Um, and so they were really interested in the idea of hearing more about how parents, what parents can do when they're struggling with children who are struggling right now. So, oh, thank you, Betsy. Thank you. Said beautifully read. I appreciate that. Um, I was so nervous, by the way. Let me just say another quick thing. I thought of all my clients because I really wanted to like have a shot of whiskey or, you know, do <laughs> We don't have any on that day in church, no. Maybe communion said, <laughs> No, face your fear, because that's what I would do. That's therapy for my client. You know, that would be a safety behavior. That is not facing your fear. You have to do it, you know. 
Yeah. And so I was literally shaking after I finished. Um, oh, really? Oh my God! You just you you had such a calm presence. You you wouldn't have noticed. And and even if you even if we uh, you made an error, you we wouldn't have known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a lesson for all of us, right? I knew I do try to practice what I preach. Um, that uh, doing exposures are scary, and you will have you know anxiety, but then it drops, and you get through it, and then you have more confidence the next time you do it. And most of the time, people are really friendly and supportive about when we take risks like that. Yeah, so definitely, yeah. Definitely. But so I was thinking maybe next time we can, you know, over the summer, I'll try to, um, we have had some folks on who have you know, worked with children and teens, but maybe we need to do, do a little bit more of that um, uh, with, with all the pressure that families are experiencing right now. Um, I think that's a great idea. I think it's a yeah. great idea and I think it, it'll be helpful. And especially if there's a request for it, I think that's, a, that's important. Yes, yes. So I was happy to look. So that was also a really great moment because I love feedback and I love hearing what people are looking for so that we can be as helpful as possible. Um, so, yeah. So so one thing I thought I'd just focus on one uh, topic here. When I went to a, uh, a uh, training on compassion a few weeks ago, um, there was a speaker there, Russell Rizog from the UK, and he talked about a form of something that's, I think, in the field of psychiatry over in Europe. It's called open um, dialogue or dialogical psychiatry, and I thought, that, I thought it was an interesting concept. It's actually something that was tried in Finland in the 1980s, but Basically, it's based on the fact that um, if you look at the data, according to the World Health Organization, developing countries, um, unlike the United States, you know, developing countries, their folks who struggle with severe mental illness have better outcomes than, than, our, than the people in the United States do, even though we have all the medication and we have all this fancy interventions and treatment and whatnot. So there was a study that was done in the 70s and the 80s, and then it was replicated again, I think, in 2010, according to the World Health Organization, that showed that, that uh, yeah, if you have a severe mental illness, you actually are, you, you, um, you are, um, have a better outcome with your illness in a developing country than you do in a country like the United States, a developed country. Mm. And do they know why? Why, why is that? I think the connection that Dr. Razag uh, and his his uh, investigators have made and, and other folks uh, such as in Finland is because of the emphasis on group. In mm. developing countries, there's much more support. There's, you know, the group is more important than the individual in a lot of ways. In the United States, we're very much about pioneer spirit. You're an individual. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Don't you know you're not supposed to depend on anyone? You're not supposed to need anyone. I spend a lot of my time trying to break through that belief hmm. because yeah. we are humans, we are social creatures, we need each other. And there's a lot of people get really stuck on this. I shouldn't ask for help. And I'm always trying to reinforce that asking for help is a strength. 
and we need each other. We need to connect. We need to, to reach out. So with this form of, uh, Dr. Rosag is doing a study over in the UK of 500 people. And so this therapy is very different. What happens is the client comes into the office and the client tells the therapist what the client needs. Mm. So the client will, um, because it, what's, it's considered that you're the expert. You know, if you're suffering, you're the expert on your suffering. So tell me what it is that you need. Tell me what it is that you're bothering, that's bothering you, rather than the therapist sort of taking the lead and guiding the conversation. And then what happens is during the course of the discussion, the, they come up with a list of people in the client's life, neighbors, family, friends, that they can invite into the session and it becomes more of a community kind of meeting of support. And the client talks in an open way, you know, progressively as they gain, you know, feel more and more comfortable. But these people continue to come and support um, throughout the process of their treatment. And the client and they talk in an open way about their suffering or their pain. And and folks listen and they support. And um so when you think about it, this reinforces a couple ideas. Number one, it empowers someone like, hey, you have the resources in you. You know what you need. You know what you need to ask for. It also supports um, having um, a social network, which we know over and over from, from lots of data out there that social support is so key for mental health challenges. And then... Um, yeah, and then you're also opening up to your loved ones and having kind of these authentic connections about what really is bothering you. Yeah, no, I, I think this is beautiful. I mean, um, you know, part of me uh, thinks that uh, if you uh, come to uh, a therapist uh, with the understanding that this is what you need, that means that there, you're, all, you're already going to be doing some reflection on your life and what are you really looking for? And then you, and you kind of articulating it to, to that person, to the therapist. I mean, I, I remember like at times, you know, it's, and it's this, this is, this is the culture uh, and it's, and it informs all of us. And, and I, I remember almost every time when I'm talking to my spiritual director, the first thing I, the, so how are you doing, Sunil? Well, I'm doing great. Life is good. Life is, life is perfect, right? And, and then he would ask probing questions because what, it, it, what, what really, I mean, I wouldn't be there if I didn't need some direction. Yeah. Right? And so yeah. it's kind of like, and then the probing questions, uh, then, it, then, well, all right, well, this is really what's happening in my life. I'm feeling, I, I've had all these, these funerals and, uh, and people just keep dying all around me and I have to do, uh, you know, or whatever. And then you, you open it up. But the other way, it's really interesting. You're kind of doing that work before and, and yeah. you're cutting through the face almost. And I think it gives people a sense of responsibility for their own well-being too, to think about it, to rather than kind of showing up and like, okay, fix me, like more of kind of a passive role. Now that's not to say that, you know, you after you need you do need there is a, a certain, I believe, element, I do believe there's a certain element of teaching at times because if you don't know what something looks like, sometimes yeah. you do need some good, but I, I kind of think this 
ideally there would be a balance of both. Um, but that's, I think the, the fascinating part is just that the cultural difference of group versus individual. Yeah, I, I think it's, so, uh, and I love what you just, uh, what you said, I, I love that what you just said right now, but I also think I, I'm really fascinated with this idea that, uh, you know, in American culture, it's all about everything should be okay with you. And I, and I'll tell you, when I come to any kind of, I'm okay. There's nothing wrong with me. And then there, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff that are, that are, that, that are, that are, you know, the gaps. Um, I've had clients apologize if they're not doing well when they've shown up to a session, almost like they should only show up if they're doing better. Right. You know, I was thinking as you were talking about this idea about the group, uh, one uh, group process that seems to be working in America is this AA uh, idea. Mm. You know, yeah. like, you know, even though, even though there's like a, not a therapist leading it, but it's, it's kind of like, you know, people come to that with the idea that they, they share their problems and then you, within a group and you come to it with already, with the acknowledgement that there is, there are some issues that you're facing. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't be in this addiction pattern. And, yeah. and then, and the thing is, then the acknowledgement that uh, you're frail and we're all frail, we're human. And, uh, you know, and, and that, that's beautiful in itself. It, it's like, you don't have to be perfect. And then you're right. be the whole common humanity and self-compassion. Yeah, I agree with you that there, there is a very strong network with AA. People feel uh, a lot of connection to, to those group formats. And, and I, I'm a big believer in groups. I big, a large portion of my career, I, I was doing for a large, for a long time in my career, I was doing primarily groups because I think, because I think this is something that's been missing in the American culture. Is this like talking openly in a group and feeling like safe to do that. And like you say, not kind of having that facade of like, I have to be, you know, the perfect pioneer woman who um, like runs myself into the ground and never talks about, never asks for help. And I mean, people are just, uh, when I think about American families and all the pressure and stress they're under when, you know, they don't have, in other cultures you have like a whole street of people, friends, family, all living nearby, helping each other. Um, and here it's oftentimes these families tend to be kind of in isolation, um, trying to work, both parents working, trying to um, trying to raise the kids uh, and and um, and doing it in, in a way where it's really expensive. It's just there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And, yeah. and you have to keep this facade as if you you can handle it. You can handle all the problems and everything should be fine. Right. You know, it's interesting that, uh, you know, so. As speaking in terms of a, as a priest in a, a in a community, I think one of the things that that Jesus does is, I mean, I think what he does is he for, he he forges a community that you could be who you are in that community. And you know, I was thinking about all those disciples. They all come from various 
you know, points of life, I mean, various stages of life, and, and uh, some are, you know, high status individuals, some are not, some have, have made mistakes, some, uh, you know, seem to have everything figured out, and they all come together, and, and there's a sense of acceptance of who you are, and you don't have to, I mean, ideally, that's what the church is about. It's a community that accepts the individual as who they are and so that they could be a part of it, this community and, and live. And, and I see this in some ways. I mean, uh, you know, like uh, there's always like, uh, you know, how sometimes uh, when you're in a community, in a church community, you know that, uh, well, uh, John is like this. And he has these these idiosyncrasies. Oh, that's just John, and mm. we still he's he's still got all these wonderful qualities, and we and he's a part of our our community. He's like family, but he's got this, you know. And we we learn how to adjust with whatever John is, John's issues are, and same with Sally. And you know, we we kind of adjust with our idiosyncrasies in some ways, you know. Yeah, I agree. I think that is one of the beautiful things about a church community. It probably is one of the few places in our culture where we we can be part of a group and there is a certain, you know, we are sharing values of acceptance and um, like a non-judgmental, hopefully a non-judgmental space. Yeah, and, and, I, and again, that's an ideal. Sometimes, sometimes church communities can be the most judgmental, right? And but yeah. if you, it, uh, I think in the model that Jesus taught us, it would be a community that helps, um, you know, we, helps us to, to understand each other and change the things that we need to change in order to, to be a part of a community, you know? Right. It, it reminds me of the sermon you gave yesterday, which is basically the whole uh, value of love, really, right? Yeah. Yeah. The power of that. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, mental health is such an important part of, of, of the conversation now we have in our community, right? Especially, I mean, I think about all the gun violence that we have and, um, and especially that uh, the one, the kid in, in the 18 year old kid who killed uh, those students in, in Texas, you know, uh. <sighs> I, I, you know, it's just, I'm still at a loss to figure out what's happening. Um, yeah. And part of me says is that it's almost as if this kid does this to be seen, to be under, to, to be seen. He's not recognized. He's not recognized for who he is or, you know, and then he uses a gun, which, I, you know, there's some conversation about how he got the gu guns. Um, and and should he have ever had possession of him, but the but the fact of the matter, he does this awful thing and almost to be, to you know, to be seen almost. Mm. You know, he wasn't seen before. He wasn't. He, you know, every, you know, even 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 if we talk about this idea about being perfect, you know, like he was one of those kids who just like uh, was not noticeable. I mean, and so. He didn't have a place to share his issues and his problems, his, his questions. Right. And I think, again, that's another difference. I, I think probably, and you could speak to this better than I can, uh, Father Sunil, but I'm, I'm wondering if in other developing countries or cultures, 
there's more of a because people are thinking more like a group people are pulling each other in yeah they're not letting so many people be kind of like outliers like and and isolated and isolation is not good for anyone when people are isolated their mind does you know our yeah. minds can go to really uh, unhealthy places if there's too much isolation and yeah loneliness i i think you know what it is is um you know, and you're speaking from a person from another culture who, who lived in another culture, and it's kind of like in between, right? You know, there's uh, even in Indian culture, I know that that, um, you know, marriages and, 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 and life, it's all about community and family. And it's about, you know, if you, if, if, uh, if, if, um, if a person enters into a, a married situation, it's you're marrying families together, right? And then they're all, and if there's issues within the married life, you, the family members, you know, older members of the family would come in. But increasingly, I think as, as the world becomes smaller and, 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 you know, there's different models that are being embraced, you know? And so I'm finding there are, there are more, that people are, are separating themselves from, from families and that those type of groups that are nurturing, mm. you know, and I think, yeah. I think that's, um, you know, like success, success, uh, you know, it's it, like some in India, especially if you are successful, there's there, I see in my culture origin that, you know, the, that America becomes the model, you know, the Western mm. way of handling success and individualism becomes more of a model. Yeah. Yet, ironically, that sense of individualism, which can be certainly, uh, I mean, it's led to a lot of great things, too. And yes. there are a lot of wonderful things. Yet, I think from a mental health perspective, um, we really need to not, I mean, if someone doesn't feel like they have a group, maybe from their family of origin, then find another group, but find a group. Yeah. I think you, I think what your point is right. I think it's like it's not either or. It can be both and. Yeah. You know, and I think like one of the things that you uh, suggested, and I don't know if this is, but this dialogical conversation. It's like you know you can have both. You can still be individualistic and 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 really work on oneself and and have achievement and so forth, but also acknowledging that the group is important, just as important. And you need to have you need to have support. You need to have support in order to be who you are, who yes. God calls you to be. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, do you see this? So, like this this study, I I would love to read it. I think it would be really important. I think, you know, it offers a, the church a, a, an opportunity to look at at this too because. The, the church should be a place where community is found, people are nurtured and expected for, accepted for who they are, and then able to then launch off to do, you know, all the creative things that an individual can do in a community, you know? Yeah, uh, I'll have to see. Uh, I'll take a look, see if I can find more about it. Um, yes. I'm sure there'll be publishing data at some point, but it really is, it's a fascinating model when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, 
even to the extent where the same psychiatrist, the same therapist will move with the client and stay with the client for the entirety of that. that that's the model ideally that you always, you know, over here, we have a lot of transition, even with, even your, with your care team. People's, yeah. you know, psychiatrists are changing constantly or the therapist or so, um, but there's this real sense of having stability and a stable kind of group, if you will. Now, that's not realistic, I think, in terms of how it can translate necessarily, but it's just interesting to see what the power of that means, like you say, to have your group or a group of sorts or, you know, um, and I think it all starts with opening up and, and not being afraid to ask for help or turn outward instead of inward um, at times, you know, with a group that you can trust, of course, but yeah. Well, this is this is wonderful conversation, Sharon, and I and I hope that people found that uh, found found this helpful, like, especially as they as they maybe even start to think about things like uh, this type of thing. Yeah, and if you're having trouble finding um, a more of a, a a friend group or that kind of thing or a family group, you can start with a psychotherapeutic group. We have groups that we run at RICBT. I'm starting up two tomorrow, as a matter of fact, on mindful self-compassion. But you know, so I would say um, there are groups out there. You can look for them, whether it's a psychotherapy group or a group, an informal church group or a church community or, but to just be realizing that, you know, to just realize that it's okay to have community. That's part of the human condition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amen. Amen. Sharon, thank you for, for being with us today. And uh, I'm looking forward to the next time you're here and telling us and helping us uh, understand some new insight. Um, yes, thank God you, bless Father you. And, and thank you, merci beaucoup for uh, <laughs> doing it. Yeah. It was great. <laughs> All right. Friends, thank you again for, uh, for watching Food for Thought. And uh, if you like this joke, uh, program, please do tell us that you liked it. And if, you, if this conversation was helpful, uh, you know, tell us in the chat. And, and then we'll be able to uh, maybe uh, continue in that vein of uh, helpful conversations. Um, usually I have a prayer that, uh, that I have, and, uh, but I don't have it with me today. So I'm so sorry. But so we'll pray extemporaneously. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the many gifts that you've given us. We thank you, Lord, especially for this season of Pentecost, a season in which we, uh, we are reminded that you come in the midst of all different cultures to, to give us one language, a language of love, as we connect with one another, as we overcome the alienation that we often feel, the boundaries that we that exist in our minds. And you break through those boundaries and walls so that we may be connected with one another, nurturing our faith and the kingdom of God. We ask you, Lord God, to bless us as we continue our day. And we pray that you'll always remember that you are the God that, that, that comes right in the midst of us and in the midst of life to give us hope and joy. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Join with me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Friends, go in peace to love and serve God. Spread the light of Christ to the world around you. Remember that you are not alone. Join a group, find a conversation, and uh, find joy and hope again. And spread it, because the world needs that type of peace, joy, and hope. Thanks for watching. Did you know that you can join Christ Church from anywhere in the world? If you're feeling connected to what we're doing, email us today at communicate at Christchurchwesterly.org.